great to be with you. I'm Rabbi Ken Brodkin. Thanks for joining me at the Jewish Growth Podcast. I was thinking about many years ago at the age of 22, I showed up to Yeshiva in Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, where I didn't know any of the other students. And it was a big step in my life, pushing towards learning Torah on a deeper level. And to this day, I still remember the very first person who greeted me, a friend by the name of Sinai Yacobian. I pulled up in a, in a Sheirut from the airport to all the way to the Yeshiva in Yerushalayim. And Sinai warmly shook my hand. He smiled at me as if we had known each other for years. And over the months, we became friends, but I just never forgot the first time that he greeted me. His warmth didn't solve all the challenges of coming to a new place, but it made a big difference. And I was really amazed at how really the friendship of one person, that greeting could make such a big difference coming in. And in our times, it's, it's very common for us to talk about being welcoming and inclusive but isn't there a mitzvah to be welcoming? How does welcoming strangers or friends fit into a Torah perspective? I'm not aware of a verse that says, and you shall welcome. We are, of course, commanded to love the convert, and we know from the Gemara that Rabbi Yochanan would greet every common person, every stranger even, that he met in the shuk or the marketplace who would be makdim shalom, he advanced greetings of peace. What's more, the Torah presents in very stark terms what happens when a person is not welcome, but isolated from the community. Consider, consider what transpires when a human corpse is found outside the city, because the Torah says, When a corpse shall be found fallen on the field, and it is unknown who struck him down. The Torah describes how the elders are commanded to go out and measure which town is closest to the body? Which is the body closer to? And once the closest city is ascertained, so then the elders of that city take the calf, that a calf that has never been worked or bore a yoke, and the calf is brought to virgin soil, and it's axed in a ceremony in which the elders wash their hands and they make the following proclamation. Our hands did not shed this blood, and our eyes did not see. Atone, Hashem, for your people Israel, whom you have redeemed. Now, the verse curiously states, our hands did not shed this blood. And Rashi points to the obvious question. Would it really occur to us that these uh, esteemed court judges are some kind of murderers? So what's the meaning of this declaration? And so rather Rashi explains what they mean to say is, We did not see this victim and let him go alone without hospitality and accompaniment. We did not neglect this fellow. So in other words, the elders are not merely stating that they didn't literally shed blood, but what they're saying is that it's incumbent upon a city to take care of people, even passers-through. This person was struck down. And the elders testified that they have taught the laws properly and assured that this person was attended to. They did not let him go without his needs being met. And so they can wash their hands of guilt. But granted that these elders did their best to make sure people are attended to and provided with hospitality, if there was ever an assumption of guilt, how are they now clean from it? And what we see here is a number of things. 
Firstly, if a murder occurred nearby, then there is a presumption of responsibility and the leaders are involved in that. And only after they wash their hands, so to speak, can they cleanse themselves of guilt. Now, how could they be guilty? While they did not commit the murder, the murder there, there is concern that perhaps they didn't do their due diligence to make sure the victim was assisted on his way through. But suppose the town was lacking in hospitality. Why does that carry an implication of guilt or murder? And the answer is that a lack of hospitality actually does put people in danger. The Maharal of Prague, the great 17th century Torah luminary, elaborates on this idea. Maharal posits that when a person is welcomed or included in the community, then they are protected. And here's how he puts it. He says, The strength of a person is greater when he is amidst the community of people. For then the person has the strength of the multitude. But when a person is alone, he only has the strength of an individual. And damagers can impact him. There's really two ways that a person can exist. Either they can be an isolated individual, or they could be integrated within the community. When people are part of that greater klal, they are protected from forces of damage that may arise. But when a person is isolated, they're subject to greater danger. People who are alone are far more at risk for a number of dangers, from physical health to mental breakdown. There's also significant moments in Tanakh, in the Bible, when a lack of chesed kindness leads to disaster and death. For example, in the 20th chapter of Shoftim, Judges, a lack of kindness in the town of Giva sets in motion a whole series of events that leads to murder and ultimately culminates in civil war. And so when people pass through a community, it really does impose upon us very real obligations of chesed kindness. Just this past week, I happened to be sitting with a woman who was telling me about an experience she had once traveling on a Friday afternoon. She got stuck in very, very unexpected, heavy traffic, and she fortunately made it to a random hotel just moments before Shabbos. And people in the hotel, I guess, were familiar with Shomer Shabbat Jews. They took her in without prepayment because they knew that she was going to be observing the Sabbaths in a matter of moments. They said, just throw us the keys. We'll take care of it. And that's such chesed. And, and likewise, the elders declare in the Torah, in, in, in Shoftim, that they have done their due diligence to assure people are cared for. And only pro- by providing that they did include people in the community can the elders absolve themselves of possible guilt insinuated by the proximity of a, of a corpse, a murdered body. And so there is an obligation to be welcoming and to be kind. And importantly, it starts with the leadership of the Jewish people. The elders represent the city and the Beit Din, the court, the institutions of Jewish life. And the reality is it's so easy for our institutions to revert to a non-welcoming mode. Why is that? The answer is simple. Organizations are defined by boundaries. Imagine a school. If a school did not have secure doors or rules of behavior, well, everyone would be at risk. It's not a school that you would want your child in. Institutions are rightfully built around protocol that creates a defined, clean, and safe space for the public. And that's good 
but there's a risk. We can get too focused on the regulations and lose sight of the people that we're serving. We can forget the why we are here in the first place. And it takes a lot of ingenuity and dedication to build community that's truly welcoming. And it takes leaders at the forefront of that effort. I remember many years ago, um, a, a woman telling me that she didn't feel welcome in my shul that I was the, the rabbi of. And I was shocked to hear of this at first, but it helped me understand something. It helped me understand how much we need to self-assess. It's not enough to just say, well, you know, I'm, I'm a nice guy. We're welcoming people. We're so nice. Everyone must feel good. We actually need to proactively assess and ask, are there barriers for entry that need to be removed, stumbling blocks that prevent people's contact with the Jewish community? As we do that, every step that we take in building a better Jewish world really can be celebrated. The Sfas Emes is a great 19th century Hasidic master, and he writes that every person needs to acknowledge their minor achievements, because otherwise you can lose sight of how much you are growing and gaining. And In fact, this past week, um, our shul here in, in Manalpin took a, a great step in our mission to welcome more people. We ordered and just arrived a, a new door for the front of our building. It's a door that's Shabbos accessible. It will um, have, a, have a punch code, enable people to get in, into the shul when they need to daven, enabling community members to, to, to come to Minion more easily. That's just one small example from my shul, but wherever we are, we're all, we need to have this mindset. I mean, think about having a group of friends. What could be more wonderful then friends getting together. And yet, even a friend circle could become an exclusive clique. And that's something that, that needs to be really thought about. So there's, there's all sorts of ways that people can subconsciously or unintentionally turn others away. So what we really can conclude from all of this is that it actually takes more than good manners or, or being nice but you need actual ingenuity and perseverance to include people. And so, like, if you're part of a social circle, you need to ask yourself, how do strangers feel when they meet this group that I am a part of? And we have to look at our world with, with a creativity in order to maximize kindness. I'll give you a great example. This a couple of years ago, my wife and a, another community member found that there were people in, in Portland, Oregon, where we're living, that wanted to do chesed for others, but they were limited simply by their budget. And so my wife and this community member created a food pantry, and there were, there were donors that got very interested in supporting this. And what happened was that a meal provider could come to the pantry, take free food, and then prepare it for other folks in need. For example, people that were ill or in mourning. And so think of this big circle. You have you know, people that want to organize, people that have funds but maybe can't cook, people that cook, don't have the money, and then people in, in, in need of, of, of kindness, and everyone's getting together to make this happen. There's a lot of ingenuity with, with multiple pieces to make that happen. And, and likewise, the elders could not ignore a murder that, that took place in their midst as they saw a person struck down, isolated from the community. They had to assess their relationship with the fallen body prior to washing their hands of guilt. And that teaches us that while we may want to do kindness, it takes openness, self-awareness, creativity to achieve it. And in that light, we really 
all can be leaders and take responsibility for the Jewish world around us. And when we do that, we're not only going to save lives, but we will bring about Hashem's atonement and his mercy for Am Yisrael, for God's people. Thank you for being with me. I'm Ken Brodkin, and this is the Jewish Growth Podcast.